Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There's nothing unique about the geography of San Jose, California that turned it into the tech hub we know as Silicon Valley. Similarly, there's no particular reason Detroit became the automotive manufacturing center of the country or Nashville has become the country music capital. Over the last decade, New Orleans has transitioned away from being primarily an oil and gas and tourist economy and has become an entrepreneurial hub. One of the interesting aspects of this development has been the non-specialization of the startups. There is a wide diversity of businesses that have been founded here. For example, my two lunch guests today, they are both founders of businesses centered on children, but in vastly different ways. Dr. Sung Young Kim is the founder of a company called Chosen Diagnostics. My science skills are not quite up to the task of explaining exactly what it is Dr. Kim does, and I'll let Dr. Kim do that in just a minute, but in very general terms, Dr. Kim is at the cutting edge of neonatal science. Among other things, she has developed tests that diagnose life-threatening diseases in unborn children. Son, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. Sometime after your child is born, one of the things you and your child might like to do is to go visit another part of the country. When that day comes, you discover that going on the road with a baby or a small child requires enough equipment, including strollers and car seats, to turn a short hop into a major logistical ordeal. If you're traveling to New Orleans, you don't have to wrestle with that. Rebecca Norwood and her company, Little Travelers, can take care of all of that for you. Little Travelers rents out everything you and your child could need while visiting New Orleans, from bounce seats to bath toys to bottle warmers to breast pumps. Rebecca, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Son, during the course of a pregnancy, there is a staggering range of things that can go medically wrong. As science has improved, we've gotten better at finding out what some of those irregularities are. Your contribution to this vitally important medical field is a test that indicates the presence of a common and life-threatening infant bowel disease. Can you start by telling us a little bit about the disease and then walk us through how you came to discover this piece of breakthrough science? Sure, Peter. So. When you think about a pregnancy, whether you're the father or the mother, you have a lot of hopes. I've only and been the father, but yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of hopes and dreams, and you have a lot of worries and concerns. And if everything goes well during the pregnancy, and everything goes well with the delivery, you still have a lot of anxiety and a lot of worries. A test that I have uncovered in my research lab at the LSU School of Medicine was actually a collaboration that was born with neonatologists here in our city. They approached me because they were really frustrated with a particular type of baby, which are the premature babies, so extreme prematurity. So what you would could, extreme premature be? So if you can envision having a baby that was only three pounds, wow. that's extremely premature. And so obviously the mother and the father are not quite prepared for birth at that time. And they're obviously filled with even more anxiety and more worry because their child is so small and so fragile and not quite developmentally ready 
to be part of the world yet. Wow. And so if you envision this group of babies, the neonatologists and the nurses who care for them, they give their lives night and day to take care of these infants and try and get them to the point of maturity where they're ready to go home with their families. But often there's a common disease that um, affects their bowels or their intestines, and it's known as necrotizing enterocolitis. Oh, so that's a big mouthful, yes. but the abbreviation is NEC or NEC. And it affects infants who are typically in this weight category. The problem with the disease is there's no good diagnostic tool. It's been around and people have documented it for about 40 or 50 years, and yet we don't have a good diagnosis for it. Right now, what they do is x-ray. And if you know something about x-ray, which we may or may not, but if you think about that image or a cartoon image, it resolves your bones. It doesn't resolve your soft tissue. So it really can't image the intestine other than if it's really bloated and there's some gas or air. And that's a sign of advanced stages of the disease. So it's a little too late. The second problem with a current x-ray diagnosis is it only diagnoses 44% of the oh. infants who have the disease. So for a business person, you can make yeah. a better prediction by flipping a coin. Wow. And that's not a good situation when you have an infant that small and who's that challenge. And so when you came up with the breakthrough, you were at LSU, and then where's the transition to the Bioinnovation Center? How does that work? So because of this disease, and we had run these tests and with a collaboration with the neonatologists, it, it wasn't actually something that I had normally done before. I was a strict academician. I worked, I've been a professor for 10 years. I've enjoyed re different research programs, but to have a very targeted and developed use for the clinic was novel to me uh, when they first approached me. So what I discovered after we got to that point was, well, then how do you get it to the market? How do you get it into the hands of the people around the country or around the world? And that requires a commercialization process, which has been difficult for any science discovery to straddle. So I finally figured out, I've got to do it. I've got to actually push forward and get FDA clearance. I have to push forward and get a larger clinical trial. And I have to push forward and get it into market. It's a very different skill set. It is, and so hopefully one of the things we learn in that ivory tower is learn how to analyze and develop and go into new places that we're not comfortable in and develop skill sets to conquer those new spaces. So I really lean on the entrepreneurial community here, and that's where the New Orleans Bioinnovation Center, I'm going to give a big shout out to them, um, have been really, really helpful in my education as well as in my development with the company. Um, LSU has also been really supportive because they love the idea that you can take a translational discovery that was a collaboration between people here in New Orleans and make it a national platform for us. And then lastly, I also want to give out to another program. It's within LSU, but Tulane also has a partner program. It's called the Innovation Core, and it's with the National Science Foundation. So it's uh, secondary to the National Institutes of Health as a federal funding agency. But NSF has been actually in the game for quite a while. And for example, they gave out research grants to what became Google. Oh, they wow. gave research grants to what became Qualcomm. So even though it was born in a university setting, it has very practical applications and outcomes for all of our lives. And you, we take for granted that these things actually were discovered in the lab and that NSF actually fostered and developed those Son, you can tell we live in different worlds. NSF to me was non-sufficient funds. Which is, <laughs> so this is how they, uh, 
Rebecca, I wasn't surprised to find out that you came up with the idea of freedom traveling without childcare equipment from personal experience. Anybody who travels with little kids knows it's an incredibly aggravating operation that rivals moving an army. Uh, on the other side of the ledger, although these kid contraptions look similar, parents and picky children often have a very particular set of stuff that they have to have. On top of that, there's a certain yuck factor with using someone else's bath toys. Um, how do you cope with what I imagine is a pretty demanding clientele so that you retain your sanity and make a profit? <laughs> well, that would be a good question. And we're still, try, I guess, trying to really figure it all out. But at the end of the day, you just have to remember everyone's a parent and they want the best for their little baby. And when we actually release our equipment, the first question we ask is, would I let my kid play with it? Okay. And so that's sort of our our baseline standard and obviously you know you're making sure you're using the hospital grade cleaners because you certainly do want to ensure you're not spreading anything right. and then we follow with the gentler cleaners to ensure that nothing none of the harsh chemicals are left behind or anything like that. Now I that. assume you and have a kiosk at the airport and a barker that goes ah we got strollers. We actually do not. No, okay, we, sorry. Uh, we started off with uh, mostly social media to get the word out and then we've done a couple of print advertising type things in like St. Charles Magazine and it's really just been more of a almost grassroots effort in getting the word out. See, because that's interesting. Like, St. Charles Magazine's read by people here in New Orleans, but in actuality, you got to get people that are somewhere else coming here, right? You do, but if you think about the readership, you have a lot of families with family visiting, and so especially oh. around the holidays, so you try to start, I mean, you got to start somewhere, and so attacking the whole nation is a big undertaking, so we start here and hope to spread. Now, now, that, now that I've realized you don't have a kiosk at the airport, where where does that transfer take place? Where do you? We do complimentary delivery and pickups. So sometimes the airport, sometimes your Airbnb place. We get in there before you arrive. So when you arrive, you don't know that your tub of toys is there. Your kids can explore oh, wow. while you settle in. Or for hotels, we'll leave things with the bell stand so that it's we really try to make it as easy as possible for the families that are traveling. And. You know, how much equipment do you have? I mean, I can't... Uh, well... You have, like, a fleet of strollers, an armada of bath toys. What? We, we do, we, we've been building up. We started about eight months ago, so we've been so, slowly but surely building up our inventory based on the orders we've received. And it has... I mean, the, the, the most popular items, as you would imagine, would be the pack-and-plays, the strollers, the car seats. And then you might have... Your baby might really sleep well in the rock-and-play sleeper, whereas her baby might sleep really well in the... Mamaru, and so it's sort of having the knowing the tools that are out there and knowing how to have access to them and get them out to our peeps. I remember when I first first had kids, it was amazing because they were so tiny and they had so much big stuff. It Whereas does. I'm much larger and I have a dop kit and a pair of jeans. I... It, the smaller the child, the more stuff they need. <laughs> really, I mean, they need help to get around, they need help to sleep, they need help to eat. I mean, they need help to do just about everything. And when you have your gear, it's very comfortable and you know how to function. And without your gear, it's sort of like, wait, what do we do now? And what was it like, Rebecca, when you came up, you obviously saw the problem as a mom, and then... You talked about it to some folks? Or? Well, my, it's actually my partner was, we came back from a ski trip last Mardi Gras and we had rented our gear when we were away visiting and we came home and we were sort of thought to ourselves, why can't we do this in New Orleans? Especially with being a growing family destination, we really thought that we could tackle this problem and, and hopefully attract even more families.
And what is it like in other cities? I mean, you mentioned going skiing. Do they have operations like that? They do. I mean, if you go to, I mean, different towns, they'll gear it a little bit differently. So if you're in a beach community, they'll have a lot more beach gear. If you're in a ski community, it's a little bit more just sort of your, you know, regular equipment. And maybe they'll have a babysitting service or something like that included. But, um, I mean, it's just sort of making sure the families are comfortable. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. My guests are Rebecca Norwood, co-founder of Little Travelers, a company that takes the stress out of traveling with little kids, and Dr. Sunyun Kim, founder of the medical research company Chosen Diagnostics. Sun, now that we're talking about the business side of your life, does it take time away from the science side of your life? Oh, absolutely, right? Um, Akin to what you're talking about with Rebecca, there's a lot of things to consider in terms of your market. There's things to consider about how do you start with your minimum model of your business and then um, what's the best, why are you picking that as your minimum model? And then how do you move and decide to grow from that point on? And so those are all strategic decisions that require a lot of time and thought as well as data, at least in my view, um, as to how to grow with that. So, and then as you pointed out for me, I'm not a business person. I do not have an MBA. So obviously my learning curve is even steeper than for most. But you know, I, I like the idea of figuring out where you would market this. I guess you would market, would you market to OBGYNs? Is that... So yeah, we would market with places with OBGYNs as well as pediatricians and associated neonatal intensive care units. And we've gone so far, and that was again the national NSF um, I-Corps program, where we've even started to think about how do you stratify those hospitals. So is it hospitals that have a high rate of preterm birth, because that's ultimately our market? Or is it actually hospitals with X number of beds Right, because you have to fulfill a certain number of patient volume in order for their own reference laboratory to run the diagnostic test. So it's really complex, and as you're probably imagine. well aware, the healthcare. I don't see you going office to office with a box of donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at walking around with the cupcakes and cookies. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> I was hoping, this but actually, was the way what I was going to say with um, with Rebecca was, have you thought about as New Orleans? It's a great destination for businesses and tourism, but I'm even just speaking from my science side, there was a huge um, national scientific society that came into the convention center and they have 8,000 plus people who come in. And about five years ago, they were considered radical because they had opened up a daycare facility on site at the convention center. But that means there's X number of people who are bringing their children. Oh, it's nice. That and the so if you tag in with them yeah. and then say we'll deliver to your hotel rooms, that already might be instant advertising or inroads in your No, market. absolutely. One of the things we've been looking at is all of the conventions that are sort of really coming back into town. In the medical in particular, in a former life, I would actually have to go to a lot of those conventions. <laughs> and so it's something we've definitely uh, been keeping an eye on and trying to connect with because... I mean, at the end, a lot of the, especially in the medical conventions, which I'm just more familiar with, they, um, a lot of times you're not bringing your family, you're kind of getting in and out, but it's absolutely a great opportunity we'd love to tap into. That's a, now I'm going to be looking for markets for you everywhere. Yeah. There's well, a, there are. There are. Rebecca, you also have kind of a med- medical business background, right? I do. I started out in um, medical PR and then switched actually over to continuing medical education where we developed and implemented various CME-type opportunities for um, physicians. I focus mostly in oncology, liquid and solid tumors. 
But we also did, I mean, we did breast, we did cardiac care. I mean, we did all of it, so. Son, am I going to see, uh, when I'm watching the ball game, I'm going to see ads for your product? That, that's, that wouldn't be the way you'd be marketing it. <laughs> no, <It's>, uh... probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. It would probably be trade shows for pediatricians and neonatologists. And um, it would also actually probably... I'm learning all sorts of acronyms. There's something called a GPO or group purchasing organizations that hospitals use. And so we would have to probably advertise through them. We would also have to advertise to the external reference companies such as um, Quest and LabCorp and um, ARUP Labs that are out in Salt Lake City. And so that's the way we would have to channel our market. I would hope, though, that at the end there would be some advertising at a football game or um, at hospitals in which mothers and children could see that these advances were happening. Just to break up all the Viagra ads, it would be just great to have your thing there. <laughs> Something to change it up. <laughs> Rebecca, what would you, if you, uh, if Sun was your client, what would you uh, think would be a good way to get this word out? Be conventions and Conventions, like I would think that sort of working, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the American Caddy of Pediatrics, and I'm sure you're probably already reaching out to them. But, I mean, it's trying, to, it's trying to find that right person in that organization, which is always the tricky part. It's, you just keep knocking on doors until the right person answers, really. Yeah. And, and, son, I would think that because of this, the way this product is structured, you would want to uh, maybe give a talk at a medical convention. Is that more than just a booth or something? That's right. So there's different, I think, channels in which you can communicate or develop those relationships. So you can try and be the expert. You can try and help others who are the experts understand and convince them that they should also give their stamp of approval. Um, you can go for the mass numbers and try and hit every single neonatologist. I think I've talked to about 100 right now around the country, so that's my strategy. Um, Have you tried putting together like a CME campaign targeting the neck you said the illness yes. was and just to help create awareness around the disease itself I the interest so the short answer is yes there's a very first symposium for the disease which will be out in um, California in April and I'll be out there but the interesting part is people are already in the national news already know social media has really changed how even medical advances are advertised so I was part of a business pitch, pitch competition in November and the next day I got four emails from patient advocacy groups that were on the East Coast and West Coast saying we just saw the blurb please call me today and I need to put you in contact with people wow. and I thought it's New Orleans, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to belittle it. I love the city. But I'm thinking, the advocate, how did that get out to New England and Connecticut? And how did it get out to San Francisco? And how they have amazing paper boys. I don't know if you've ever seen them. But, they're, uh, <laughs> but it's an important avenue drones. that I don't understand still. But I think it does change the dynamic of how you well, advocate. Certainly the parent advocacy. That's. I mean, I don't know if there's already parent groups, but oftentimes if you're a parent that has suffered through it, it was right. actually interesting because my daughter was born two months early, just under three oh, pounds. Geez. Which luckily, so you do understand. I First definitely hand. understand all the fears, and I mean, she ended up being in the NICU for six weeks before yeah. we could bring her home and the whole bit, Absolutely. and happily, everyone's fine now, oh, everyone's good, good. good. but um, there is a lot to worry about, and if you've been through it, maybe there are some parent advocacy groups that there you are. could also sort of work as well to help get the word out. Right, so there's advocacy groups for just the disease, so those parents, unfortunately, have either lost their children or they have... Um, 
been scared where they thought they were going to lose their children. And then there are also advocacy groups for prematurity that are um, very interested. And Rebecca, you should never hire me because I could never even get those things to fold right. Yes, girl, or losing the fingers. Well, and every folder folds differently. It's it's like it's crazy, and I mean the jogger folds one way, the umbrella, and then you switch brands, and they're all different. I've mashed my fingers a few times myself. <laughs> now, son, Rebecca, your very different businesses have both grown out of your backgrounds in medicine and childcare. Your successes are a testament to your own talents and creativity, and to the entrepreneurial environment in New Orleans that can support startup businesses as vastly different as Chosen Diagnostics and Little Travelers. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. We look forward to keeping up with you. And thank you both for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank you so it's much. Been it's been thank great. You. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dr. Sun Young Kim. She's the founder of Chosen Diagnostics and Rebecca Norwood, the co-founder of Little Travelers. You can find out more about Sun's scientific breakthroughs and Rebecca's toddler tourists by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellison. Today's show is engineered by Thomas Walsh. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music is available wherever great jazz is sold, streamed, or stolen. And at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, wwno.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from the show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp.